Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We're here about to talk UFC 296 recap. Edwards Covington, Pantoja versus Roy Val. Double header championships on the line. As always, go down, like, and subscribe. Comment your thoughts on the fights. Everything, because this is probably one of the most lit cards of the thing. So let us hear what your favorite fight of the night was as well down there. I'm Paul Pickham Winham, and I'm joined with. Yeah, you know, it's your boy Kevin Waterboy's boy, aka the people's champ. <laughs> hey man, Paul, this shit was lit. I'm not gonna lie to you. All I heard all night was and still UFC champion of the world. But yeah, it was a great fucking night of fights. Oh man. But I before we could even talk any of the fights. Please tell me you saw this wild ass press conference. It was everything we expected it to be. Uh, taking someone to the seventh layer of hell. Nah, that shit is crazy. Me personally, I would have shot Kobe Ash for saying that. I would have won and still shot that nigga for saying that. That shit is crazy. Like you know how like Miles would all caught that nigga in the streets later. I would have shot that nigga like in the cage, kid. Niggas would have been like, "Say." I'm like, "Nah, go fucking say that shit." Now I beat your ass. Now go say that shit, my fucking dad, pussy. But no, um, dude. that's a whole different story. Well, this is a family Wow, I think that changed a lot of people. A lot of people went from not really fucking with Kobe to like fuck Kobe. I don't think that's what changed it. I don't think that's. I think a lot of people. I think that's what people made stop making excuses for him just because like they just don't like Leon. They're like, I, right, I'm not. I, I don't rock with that. That was pretty fucked up. But it wasn't until he lost. I think that's when people hopped off the Kobe train. Because, like, he got treated. They cheered him for that. Like, Sean Strickland even checked their ass for saying that. He was like, Leon's mom raised a good man. Leon's mom raised a good man. And he just grew up, grew up to be champion. And Kobe over here bringing up his dad. And y'all cheered him. Y'all should be ashamed of yourself. That's disgusting. But, like, if you don't know what we're talking about, Kobe and Leon were going back and forth. And Kobe said, I'm going to take you to the seventh layer of hell. And then we can go see your dad. And if you don't know, Leon's dad died through um gang violence. And um, I want to say when they lived in London, in Jamaica, and they moved to London because of that. So, like, that shit was pretty fucked up. And at the weigh-ins, Kobe, um, um, Leon was like, you said something about my dad. I forgot what he said. And then this motherfucker, Kobe, was like, I was in character. And I was like, oh, what a pussy. It, it's just it's just a character i saw that that those little extra mic works right there be killing it for his character bro i mean it worked i mean he came out that bitch in a george washington fit so obviously i was with him but george washington fit i was all i was saluting i was like there's one of my founding fathers right there i mean like he came in at entertain i mean kamaro put it best you got to be thankful for somebody like that because those are the people a nemesis like that are the people that drive up the pay-per-view sales and stuff like that. I just think that, like, just I think the shit-talking MMA as a whole, at least for the UFC, is kind of, like, kind of going, like, to all the way to 10 recently, a lot. But um, it is what it is. Like, people look up to people like Conor. Like, people say whatever to sell the fight. They said when Kobe said that, the fight um numbers, the pay-per-view buys, um, not like just on ESPN, but the international, the pay per view buys went up twenty five percent. That's market. Like, you, you feel me? Like, I think it. Like Dana said it best. I think the family stuff is a little too far. 
but like that's what the people want to see and like i prefer i would prefer them not do it i would prefer they just kind of just keep it keep it without crossing a line and stuff like that but it is what it is and then how about the other oh, another big thing ian gary I mean, you got to pull out the fight because he was sick and all that. But all that, all that tough talk, and we and then all of a sudden he got pulled from the presser. Bro, they were on his ass the entire presser. Nobody. The first thing Kobe said was something about Leon, and then the second thing he said was, "And how many people in here fucked Ian Gary's wife?" And like, at his Ian Gary got brought up a few times in his press conference, and I was just like. If Ian Gary was there, it would have been all literally mayhem. Because the only people that were like vibing were Brandon, Brandon Royval and Alexander Pantoja were chilling. But somehow Tony Ferguson came in this bitch all the way lit. And he was trying to incite a reaction out of Patty and finally got it towards the end. And somehow Patty, Tony Ferguson and Kobe like hated each other and they came in like came in um Kobe and was um Tony said he's more American than Kobe. And then Kobe was like, fuck you, um, fuck you, um, Tony. Don't try not to lose your seventh fight in a row. I was rooting for you, but, man, fuck you. And then he was like, oh. And then next thing you know, they banded together, and they said, yeah, man, let's do this for America. Both lost. And it was just a crazy – Ian Gary would have took that bitch over the top. Like, it wouldn't have been insane. Yeah, and – I enjoy when they do the real pressers like that. I don't like the the one on one stuff. Line yeah, up, I mean, up and let them talk. Yeah, I mean, I I understand it. I it's whatever works works. I prefer um I do like to just genuinely hear how you plan on winning the fight. Like what was your mindset going into camp and everything like that. So I do I do like the one on one conversations. But if I am trying to get hyped for the fight and send me something to get ready. You want that big press conference with everybody in that bitch. Cause like you'll never know what can happen. Cause like the Sean Strickland and Izzy B, both of them boys were fighting two completely different individuals. And that shit ended up um that and, shit ended up aging so well. And uh, the presser was lit, but the presser was I think the perfect like you know, like the storm was brewing in the presser. Like the Pay review up twenty five percent. I didn't even know that, but that makes sense. Like they're brewing up the perfect storm. Hell like, yeah, they made they a lot eat. of money this card. The gate was like nine million or something like that. Wow, not shot. Kobe Covington's a needle moving now. Stop it. No, this was the, <laughs> this was because of um, it's the last card of the year. Donald Trump is going to be there. They promoted really well. They have two champions. Just chill, just chill. But um. Another thing was that they had another presser, and that was the seasonal presser, and that had fucking Sean Strickland, Volk, Sean O'Malley, and then what? Drickus, Ilya Taporia, and motherfucking um, Cheeto, motherfucking Cheeto. And the funniest thing was these niggas were all wild. There was no fucks given. Like it got to a point where Ilya Taporia was um said something. And the translator was translating it back. And then the, they checked the translator because they was like, hey, translate that shit right. Well, he goes, all right. He said that you're going to kick your asses. Like, he, like, it was like something so disrespectful. And the translator tried to be all nice with it. He was like, hey, translate it correctly. <laughs> so that, that press conference was crazy. Drickus said something about, struck a nerve and said something about Sean's dad. Fucking Sean O'Malley, motherfucking was talking about yeah, Sean's dad, motherfucking 
Cheeto called fucking Sean O'Malley the next Adam 22. And Volk is just chilling. Like, yeah, I was about to say, Volk always chilling. I know Volk was laughing. <laughs> yeah, Volk was laughing. Volk was just like, yo, bro, I'm going to teach dude to laugh. Volk was worried about his fucking opponent. Like Sean and Sean and Sean Sean is on Sean and um Sean Strickland and Sean O'Malley going back and forth and both is just in the middle just smiling, right? Oh yeah, Volk. I, but I know Volk had a fucking great time. Probably the best time on everyone. Yeah, and it's crazy because the, after this press conference, it gets to the fight, and then Drickus and Sean Strickland get to throwing blows, and you're just like. Oh yeah, the boys didn't want. Didn't One of the best moments in UFC where Sean, you see Sean Strickland turn to Gilbert Burns' wife and kids and Tom, can you move over to, to and then jumps over the fucking seats to start fighting Drinkus in the stands. I was I'm like, oh you. my god, a ten nine round Strickland. I don't care, bro. I wish. Right, there's so many funny ass shoots when it comes to this fight. One that for sure. Second. Is the fact that do you know who does the seating assignments for um Dana White? Right? Yep, every Dana White's in charge of who's big, like who. Every week this nigga does the seating assignments, I guess. So like that was on him. And he was just looking at it like, how the fuck did I let that fucking happen? And then I don't know if it was foul play on purpose or not, but it was perfect. And fucking fucking and I and it was crazy that it happened right after Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland had showed um they showed they were doing the UFC like showing the fighters and stuff like that. You see Sean Strickland and then you see Drick is talking shit. And then Sean was like, shut your ass up, shot his ass. And then Drick is like an ugly ass motherfucker, tried to make it seem like he believed it. Like and I was like, once I seen that, I was like, that's why you was a cornball. Like you was a corny ass nigga for that cringy ass shit right there. And then it turns into motherfucking Sean. Saying like, "Yo, bro, I'm gonna beat your ass if you don't shut the fuck up." Niggas ain't shut the fuck up. And then the best part about the fight wasn't just the fact that Sean got on there, started laying it on his ass. But it was all the fighters around. Like you see, Cheeto just whoo. Cheeto and then you see like Brandon. Brandon niggas niggas forget that like niggas talk about Gilbert Burns' kids and stuff like that. Brandon Moreno was right there, and then Brandon Moreno had to like get the fuck up out of there because he's like, "Yo, bro, this is bullshit." Like niggas, because he was low key in the mix of all that. There was just so much going on. It was great. Yeah, no. And that encompasses the whole night right there. That I was about to say, and this isn't even the card. Like, this was a very great way to end the year for UFC. Definitely, like, first time. I remember I was at work for the prelims, and, like, Jawan is texting me. He's like, these fights are going crazy, Paul. And I was like, damn. Like, even when Jawan, when Jawan starts texting me about the fights are going crazy. is when yeah, I they're going crazy. They're going crazy. Oh, let's get into the fights. Uh, I actually want to start off with the fight of the night, the 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 fight that saved women's bantamweight, Irene Aldana <laughs> and Rosa. That's what people are calling it. Right, the six hundred and fifty strikes, uh, six hundred and fifty eight total strikes, uh, combined between the two. They, they were when they had all these heavy hitters, and we're talking about this was the fight of the night. There's a good ass reason these two left it all in the cage and. Aldana won rightfully so, but both stocks went up. Like the division stock went up. Like this fight right here had it all. I think it was maybe because I've only seen Aldana fight in that Nunez fight that she fought last time. So I was doing something at the same time as I was watching this um 
that I was watching this fight. So every time I would look up, I'd be like, yeah, maybe I'll fucking each other up. Like every second I got. And then when you see their faces afterwards, you're just like, yo, this shit was crazy. But just to see Aldana let go in this fight after watching her fight Nunez and like land like four fights around, four um four hits around type shit. Like I didn't know she had this in her. That was like some Mexican brawling right there. That shit was beautiful. Oh yeah, Mexican. She has it in her blood. Where it's just Nunes was someone is a scary foe. With her gone from the panel weights, where we really might see some fun ass fights now. Yeah, I was about to say there's a few hitters there, so I want to see more. And I mean, we could talk about this fight, but if there's a fight we I want to bring up on a prelim, it's Cody Garber. That knockout he got was solid. No love. He's looking like he's starting to pick up some wins in a row now. So, like, I don't know. Cody Garber might be able to start making something shake. I know. I mean, his only losses are to Rob Fonda, Kai Car, France, and the new division. So, it's not like he's losing to bottom-tier talent. He's kind of cleaning up the people that shouldn't – shouldn't like, he's knocking out the people he should knock out. But it, mm. I love Cody Nolo. Uh, like, uh, he – he was one of the first fighters, just like the way he looked in the games. I was like, yo, this guy looks kind of badass. It's off rip. And then watching the UFC tough seasons and him mm-hmm. on there, fucking, he doesn't fuck around. Like, he's somebody I'd be rooting for. Yeah. And you see, he always seemed like a cool dude. Cause, like, even on the tough fights, he'd always try. He's the one coach that always wanted to hang out with his fighters. He was just like, chilling with the boys. <laughs> Chilling with the boys, and when I watch the all the other tough seasons, I'd be like, "Huh, it wasn't no, it's not normal for the tough for the coach to be around as much as Cody Gardner was." Yeah, especially just chilling. Hell yeah! So that lockout you got was cold first round, right on the temple, put bro flat the fuck out. So shout out Cody Gardner. I hope he can continue getting wins. And I also want to shout out that boy Andre Fila. Oh, same. I, I was gonna shout him out too. What you was gonna say? I, I mean, good knockout for him, but it was the post-fight presser that I think stole the show. Oh, when they talked about his dog? I don't know if it was the dog. I just saw his response, and they were like, uh, Andre Philly, just like me. And his, it was just a two-second clip, and it was him saying, I like big booty Latinas. And it was just that <laughs> one little clip. And I, I haven't seen the whole – I don't know what the question was. I don't know what – any context. That was just the whole thing. I just I just thought that shit was funny as fuck when he did that. No, that's funny as fuck. I didn't know that um that was Andre Fila. I remember seeing that clip too. But um I was watching the Ariel Hawani show because I wanted to see who he had on there. Um and then see that Michael Venom Page um interview. So I stopped and watched I stayed and watched the Andre Fila interview. And um I'll probably say his name wrong, but he was talking about how his dog died, like literally like they had to put his dog down because um she had like a tumor, Damn. a tumor. She had like a tumor, and it was like it would cost ten thousand. They could do an emergency surgery; it cost ten thousand, and it might not work. And then if it did work, the dog would have to go through chemo, would still have to go through chemo afterwards. And it was just crazy. So he had that on the back of his mind, and I was just sitting there thinking, like, even though your dog dying might not be the end of the world and might not definitely probably people would look at you crazy if you pulled out a fight for that. But I'm like, yo, fight to be having like real lives in the background, like on top of everything they got to fucking do. Like it's very tough to be an MMA fighter. And 
Andre Feli, so shout out him for being able to balance real life and the fucking sport and anybody else that does that shit well because that shit is not easy. Yeah, no, when I watch Pat McAfee's show and they be talking about like behind the scene locker room stuff, I'd be like, damn, I, I never take that shit into account. I'd be like, you don't even know, like Saturday, let's like, like, Saturday, homeboy's dog could have died. He dealt with that all night, got no sleep, and then come Sunday, Sunday, one o'clock, you expect him to play his best football game ever. Literally, I remember listening to Kobe, and Kobe would be like, I had to learn how to be a leader because, like, I can separate from life. I, I had to learn over time to separate um life from basketball, but a lot of people might not. Like, I need you, I need you to go in here and drop to um get me 10 rebounds and fucking facilitate the um, down low. But you might have been arguing with your wife all motherfucking night. So, that's something that, like a lot of people don't think about. I'm people for sure, but like, there's real life that goes behind this shit. But yeah, no, shout out to our prelim fighters we picked. But let's get into the main card, Kevin. It started off with the banger of bangs. We were both on the dog. Josh Simmons as a dog. And this is the first leg of the plus eight fifty parlay I gave Kyle. A free free just a free off the just off face. And uh Josh Simmons gets the KO. First head strike landed for him. Like two total strikes, he had one to the body, and then with the first one, this is the definition of a one-hitter quitter, and arguably that's the most vicious KO, I th- my pick for KO of the year as of now, and just most vicious KO I've ever seen live. No, nah, that shit was crazy. I mean, it was just so, like, perfect. Like, it On was genuine. He's stepping in, trying to do something as you're coming in with in your hand, Josh Emmett's hands. Yeah, hands of stone. Like, ugh. I know, bro. Woke up with a headache the next morning. Like, this shit was crazy. And, like, I don't like. It got to the point where I couldn't like the Caesars. When I saw him start seizing in the, the octagon, that's when I was like, damn. Like, you know, you have to turn away type shit. Like, I he didn't want to see all that. I was like, fuck. Like, ooh. And then it was, for me, it was the standard up, like, because, like, you know, Josh Emmett had um, a tougher, uh, the last few fights in the tough, he lost to Don Yair in um, Perth. He got kind of killed in, um, by Ilya Teporia for five rounds. And so coming in, and then now he had to fight Bryce Mitchell, who came on last second. And a lot of people were um, thinking Bryce Mitchell was the better fighter. And Josh Emmett should low-key start thinking about his way out type shit because, like, he's getting older. His way, his run out of championship is going. So to see him, like, knock bro out and then get over him and just start talking his shit, whatever the fuck he said. Like, yeah, man, tell them motherfuckers not. He probably put a Geno Smith. He said, tell them motherfuckers call and I ain't pick up. Fuck that. And, like, really type shit. It was pretty, it was pretty surreal to see and then he did – he said that was all, like, the heat of the moment battle, but he does wish – like, Bryce is a great guy. He has a family. He does this and all that. Like, so he did hope uh, – they gave him well words afterwards. Yeah, I respect it. I wonder how much weight that Bryce Mitchell has to get. That's my always question. Motherfuckers take fights on short notices. I'm wondering, like, how much weight the motherfuckers have to cut? Because, you know, niggas be talking about, yeah, man, I have to cut, like, 30 pounds in, like, three days because of this shit. Type shit. Yeah, I know for sure. Bryce isn't typically the biggest. He's not like Patty. You know, Patty's never gonna take no short notice fight. Oh, facts. Uh, but that's the next fight we're talking. Patty getting the win over Tony Ferguson, an amateur decision, rightfully so. But I mean, it sucks to say Tony Ferguson now ties BJ Penn for the longest fight losing streak 
and Patty just got to now. Now he has a great name on his resume, even though he still kind of is fraudulent. I mean, when it comes to um, when it comes to this fight, I think it's interesting because you've seen that Tony. Everybody was hyped about Tony because of the David Goggins workouts. He kind of locked in and he showed that he was um coming with a different mentality. And it's great to see. And I feel like I definitely feel like if he didn't win the fight. He definitely won a lot of moral victories and definitely grew as a person. And hopefully he can take that into whatever, what, what other other um, lights of life that he lives in, like as a father, as an, an athlete, as a son, whatever it is. But I personally not going to tell Tony to retire. You can do whatever you want. You can fight as long as you want. If that's all you know, then never stop. But... I would prefer Tony to, like, kind of hang it up. Like, me, personally, you've done what you needed to do. You've shown that you was a great fighter. You had a 12-fight win streak. But this fight, Patty kind of just mauled him the whole fight. I wouldn't say he killed him, but he definitely just showed that he was the better fighter. And there were points in time where Tony showed um, promise, but Patty turned it right back on. And at the end, you, I'm shocked Patty didn't finish it. Yeah, I'm shocked, too. Uh, but... It's also on Dana White, bro. Just don't give that man a contract. Like, sorry, Tony. Like, I can't do it no more. It's tough because he still sells. He does just still sell, but how many more losses is he going to still be able to sell? Like, I know it's still name value, but, like, when you already know the outcome before the fight happens. No, that's true. But we'll see how it goes type shit. I think – um. I think he ends up fighting another one, and then maybe after that one he'll retire, but I don't know. Hopefully they give him a trash can so he can go out on top. Please. Our final three fights, though. Last one before the title fights, Kev Shavkat, Rachmanov, getting the submission over Wonderboy. And a lot of people get mad at his performance because it was boring. He had him against the cage. He takes him down finally in the second round for the sub. But it comes out, he tore his ankle. Yeah, I would say that fucking shit was huge. It fucking, he, a injury a lot of people would have pulled out from, especially on your rise as a prospect. Uh, He said, no, nah, I can't do that. Pulled up anyway on one ankle. That's why it was the way it was. And it gives Wonderboy his first ever submission loss. Like, that's insane talent. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's also toughness, I feel like. I feel like he's just a killer for real. And it's built in his DNA, like, yo, bro, we're gonna we're just gonna fight through this no matter what. And I he might need surgery. I'm not sure if they said it will need surgery or not, but that was definitely respect. I think you gotta respect eighteen wins and eighteen finishes. Like everybody's gotten taken out and everybody's gotten sent home. Sent, everybody got sent home. They never had to take it to the judges. I think Shavkat is literally just the right. like, – He has to be the second or third best in this division. Yeah, Welterweight has some hitters now, but, like, he was – he is, like, on the rise. You got Wonderboy submitted him. Geoff Neal submitted him. Neil Magny was beating the brakes off him and then submitted him. Charleston Harris knocked him out. Michael Pizarras submitted him. 
you got ranked guys. People were outside the top 15 that will beat you if you're not that good. Like, they're very solid fighters. And he's just mowed through them all. I really do think he's the best welterweight on the rise right now. And it's great to see him and Leon on the same card because they're kind of getting that familiarity, I feel like. Like, Leon sees him a couple fights away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, that might be the next fight you can see below all in the mix of that. But Sean kind of just showed him. He continues to improve. He can just show that he's going to be one of the best fighters in this division for a while. Yeah, putting on for Kazakhstan. Uh, next fight, title fight, Kev. Pantoja, Namus decision over Roy Vall. We were both on Pantoja. He takes care of business. 50-45, 50 50-45, 49-46. Namus decision, I, I, I said they're kind of equal on the mat. On the hands, though, Pantoja's the better striker. You agreed. You said the same thing. Like, and that, I think that's exactly what we saw, but we saw Pantoja kind of do it on the mat a lot. I mean, I think Pantoja just showed that he's just, he was just a, he was just a really good fighter. He just is an all around. I expected to see more wrestling because that's what I saw in the Brandon Moreno fight. But he showed that he was better than Roy Val in a lot of different um, categories. And I thought that was smooth because Rodriguez no slouch, and he's had such a huge size difference. On I want to say it was five nine to Pantoja five six, but that oh. shit meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean eight takedowns ain't enough for you, Kev. Yeah, I was say he was um, he, who for Pantoja? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, that is a lot. But um, he was doing it on his feet too, like he was doing it. He was trying to lock up the subs. Pantoja was definitely – he showed all his skills in this fight. Yeah, and he's kind of showing – he kind of got unlocked right now. I mean, he definitely – um that being a big Brandon Moreno fan, you know what I'm saying, Viva Mexico. But um, that shit definitely made me um respect those losses more because I was like, yo, this dude's good. Like, he's a 125 version of Volk, yeah. and he's so humble and so respectful afterwards. Oh, man, so, like, great champion. Probably yeah. won't sell, probably won't sell well for great champion. Someone I'm not upset that Moreno lost to. Yeah, literally. Great champ. I mean, I just think I just like this whole division because I fuck with all them boys. And then our final fight on the slate, the main event, Leon Rocky Edwards, unanimous decision win over Colby Covington, 49-46 across the board. I'm just shocked Colby Covington got up and acted like he won. I mean, I'm not too shocked because it's Colby. But the, the way he thought he honestly he was like he acted like he was upset with the decision and all. Come on now, Rocky for sure on that fight. Walking along, sitting around, walking down the winter wonderland. There's only one Rocky, Rocky Edwards. Edwards. There's only one Rocky, Rocky Edwards. Edwards. There's only one Rocky, Rocky <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Shout out my boy Leon. It's crazy that he's not a needle mover because now I understand exactly what they mean by that. Because the UFC is a business, they're always gonna book the best fight over, even though they try to tell you this is a business where you try to find the best in the world. Yeah, they're gonna book the best fight, whatever makes the most sense and whatever makes the most bread. You feel me? So it's crazy when they hate on my dog, and for them to kind of like treated as if they wanted Kobe to win in a sense. And 
they don't really control that, but you could tell that if they would be, have been very happy with being able to market Kobe, especially with the president coming in and all that good stuff. But Leon did what he needed to do. This man talked about his fucking dad, and you didn't let that shit like consume you. And then you come out this bitch mad, make a bunch of mistakes, overextend. Nah, Leon just came in his bitch, fought his fucking fight, killed Kobe up top, and then they let that bitch get to the fucking ground. He took Kobe ass down his damn self, let that bitch get to the ground, and then report the time when he engaged Kobe on the fucking floor. On the fucking floor. And then his reason for it was, yo, I just wanted to show that I'm a mixed martial artist. I'm not just a striker. Yeah, no, where he hanged his nuts when he when he got he kept getting off of Kobe's takedowns again. Oh, it's been seconds. And then when he said, "Yo, fuck it, I'm gonna take you down," and like shot one and got it like immediately, I was like, I was waiting for the Israel Adesanya Paulo Costa hump when he was on top. <laughs> like, yo, he's my he might really teabag this guy right now just to to show dominance on him. Yeah, I mean, he definitely fucked him up. I mean, Kobe won the fifth round. Give him that. Congratulations. Maybe he might have, maybe Leon might have taken his foot off the gas so he didn't overextend or do nothing crazy, getting in bad positions. But Kobe got fucked up the whole fight. And, like, I think this entire situation has shown exactly what I thought he was. Kobe is a good fighter, but he's a bitch. And he does bitch-ass shit. And, and, and that's just how motherfuckers move. Like, he has great wrestling, all this stuff. It's, he has pillow hands for show. But you can still sting motherfuckers. But at the end of the day, brother bitch. Right. And the fact he didn't come in and push the pace and cardio and like shoot a lot of takedowns, like the it was such a weird performance where I'm completely like Kobe like I thought Kobe was gonna come in here and like at least keep walking forward, shoot takedowns, uh get clinched, all that stuff. But the he allowed Leon to take him down. Almost given two submission attempts. He almost submitted him with the, the leg triangle at one point. Oh, there was a locked in. Yeah. Was close. Yeah, he had the darts. He almost had the darts too. And with the front headlock and shit. But um, it just showed like, Paul, what's our favorite? What's my favorite saying? You don't get better at something by not doing it. So like, yeah. you can sit. You can sit around and wait for a championship because there was no injuries. I mean, there was there there was no injury when you come into this fight. So you can sit down and wait for a championship. But by sitting there and waiting. There's a lot of motherfuckers that are sitting here fighting on a regular basis. Yeah, and he the ring rust, I don't know, maybe he's worried about Leon's counter. But they show me I'm really down on Kobe now, but I'm really high on Leon. The fact Leon took Kobe down, even showed some submission uh, ability. I can't he did what he had to do, so now we can't say he's just a striker. Like now I'm sitting here like, wow, like he really is he can kind of do all facets. I never once ever said that he was just a striker. I definitely felt like, but he's a, you can tell he's a person that learned this stuff. They said he, he used to train at AKA because he had no wrestling in his back pocket when he first started. And that's kind of the reason why he lost to Kamaru the first time. So um, shout out him for um, training, getting better. But I was, I respected the fact that he didn't have to get into the positions that he did, but he welcomed them to show that he is a mixed martial artist and can outpower a motherfucker in so many different styles and different ways. And now Kobe is out of the title picture, and that's always a good sign. He's over there calling Wonderboy out in the um in the in the interviews and stuff. I'm like, yo, Wonderboy just lost kid. Why don't we not if you want a championship, you know Shopcott's right there. Why you might say about Shopcott? And then they asked him about Shopcott. He said, I don't think it really makes sense, but 
like and I was like, oh, this lame ass nigga. Yeah, no, but Shopcott Shopcott versus Belial or Shopcott for the title or Belial for the title. I think that's the only thing that really makes sense in that little title picture or number one, number two guys. Hell yeah. There's only those two. Yeah, uh, but I mean the card itself was electrifying. Like all together, like top to bottom. I know we didn't talk every fight, but this is arguably one of the best cards of the year, without a doubt. Top to bottom, they came to fight. I think the UFC just had a great end to the year because the last card where Alex on the main event, they motherfucking got nothing but finishes. So, like, the UFC just – and then UFC Austin was lit too. So, they just finished the year very, very strong. Yeah, I kept telling people because they were to watch the fight. I was like, the UFC always does two things. They end the year very with a fucking bang, always strong, and they always start the year with a bang. So, like, the last card and first card will always be good. Mm. And next year is looking like the first three cards are going to be good. The uh-huh. UFC Miami, UFC 299 in Miami is sweeping up to be a very, very good card. Um, we have Vulcan, Ilya in February. And then we got fucking Sean Strickland and Jerkis in motherfucking January. Like, there's a lot going on. And, yeah, that's the first pay-per-view back is Strickland do presses. Yeah, so, like, there's a O'Malley, lot going on. O'Malley, Vera, too, in March. Mm-hmm. And in Miami for UFC 299. And so they have... Uh, Mexico City plan too. Yeah, in the um in the sphere, but um they got Michael Venom Page um fighting in um UFC two ninety nine in Miami. Evan Holland. Yeah, it's gonna be a bad. There's gonna be a lot of crazy cool shit. So the UFC ended the year strong, and they look like they're about to go crazy next year. Uh yeah. Well, once again, we appreciate everyone that stayed tuned for the recap of UFC two ninety six. It was a fucking. It, it was a dream. That's what it felt like watching that shit. Hell but yeah. Let us hear in the comment section what y'all thought. If you hit any big parlays, um, anything down there, let us hear it. I'm Paul Pickle Winham. I'm joined with Kevin, Waterboy Savoy. And if y'all didn't know, now y'all know, motherfuckers. <laughs>